Welcome to another episode of Cartels, Conspiracies, and Camarena. I'm your host, Jack Llewellyn, and today we are going to conclude our four-part discussion on the CIA and the CIA's alleged involvement with the abduction, the interrogation, and or the ultimate murder of Agent Camarena. For those of you who've been uh, are with us for the last few episodes, we started a few ago talking about the CIA and their role in the Iran-Contra affair. It's basically alleged that by the people who believe that the CIA was somehow involved in Agent Camarena's abduction, that knowledge or information about the Iran-Contra affair is what precipitated his abduction. <clears throat> and we looked specifically at what the allegations were. We tried to establish a timeline, and we really looked at what was going on during that time period, both in the United States, in Mexico, and in South and Central America. The following week, we looked at Gary Webb, his allegations of drug running in the United States by the CIA, and we looked at Barry Seal and his involvement and alleged involvement in drug operations in the United States and in South America. And we also you know, pulled on a couple of interesting threads, threads that tie uh, Barry Seal to the CIA as far back as um, when he was 16 years old and his involvement with people who were involved in Operation 40, including people who were involved in the Bay of Pigs and may have been involved in uh, circumstances surrounding the Kennedy assassination. And as we talked about at that time, that's a whole can of worms and uh, and, and a, uh, a, a rabbit hole that Alice would be afraid of. And so we tried to avoid that, but we really did talk a little bit about SEAL and what the allegations were. Then last week, we focused on the specific allegations in the last NARC and other publications of exactly what the allegations of the CIA involvement were. And this week, we're going to put some analysis to those. And before we do that, I want to have a little bit of a discussion here uh, about a couple of different things. First of all, the goal here. And the goal in these podcasts has not been to convince everybody of my own personal viewpoint on these these issues. But as we've said over and over, to apply some scrutiny to the allegations, to reveal things that are not true, so we have a better perspective on what is true. And if at the end of the day, as I draw some conclusions for myself, you disagree with those, that's okay. But if you disagree, have a reason to disagree. If there are documents, if there are other things that, that should be considered, I'm more than happy to listen to those. But what isn't sufficient is to say, oh, well, this seems like something the CIA would do. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, as I started to think about how do we analyze the allegations 
you know, how, where do you look for proof? I did a little bit of research and I found um, a guide, a training guide for the U.S. Army Inspector General School where they're training um, people in the Inspector General's office, um, JAG officers, uh, about investigations, about proof, those sorts of things. And one of the things they talk about is levels of evidence. And they talk about it in DCHO. First, you have direct evidence, which is firsthand knowledge. Second, you have circumstantial evidence, which is evidence that tends to prove or disprove an issue by inference rather than directly. Then you have hearsay, which is what one person said to another um, and then is being repeated by somebody else. And then you have opinion, a person's belief or judgment, which is the lowest level of evidentiary proof. Now, one of the things I found really interesting is they say evidence is also characterized by its quality, detail, and credibility. And it goes on to say you always, always conduct a credibility assessment. And we're going to do that a lot today. It's not enough to have allegations. You need evidentiary support for those allegations and those allegations have to be credible. So think about credibility as we start talking about these things. Uh, They also talk about what's a fact. You know, it used to be a fact was a fact was a fact. And anybody who listens to the media now knows, (laughs) you know, facts uh, apparently are whatever somebody believes them to be at a given time. Um, And and so I, I started to think, you know, how do you define a fact? Well, the inspector general's office in this training manual says facts are events that are known to have happened things that are known to be true it also says facts can be a combination of testimony documents or physical evidence but they must independently agree on a single point so as we start looking through this Ask yourself, what's credible? What's supported by evidence? You know, if you go back to some of the things we've talked about, and I'll go back to my book, Someone Had to Die, which delves into some of these things more than we've been able to thus far in these podcasts. But in there and on the podcast, especially back when we were talking about Godoy and Lopez, When we say there's a DEA-6 that says something, there's a DEA-6 that says something. There's a document. There's a memo. There's Whatever we rely upon is there. More importantly, we've put those documents up, or we've pointed them out, or we've said exactly which one they were dea6 on a particular date it's one of the reasons we put documents on my website is we're not making this up this isn't a belief these are allegations or questions 
or credibility assessments that are based on real documents. And when we make the credibility assessment on the allegations that have been aired in the last arc and other places, ask yourself, what evidence is there? What support is there? And I think when you start balancing the proof, the evidence, the credibility, you find that the allegations become more and more and more difficult not to believe as true, but to believe somebody even said. Okay, with that caveat, let's look at some of the specific allegations and judge their credibility, okay? We're going to start with Lawrence Victor Harrison. Remember, Harrison's the one who said, uh, allegedly, let's back up, let's rephrase that. Agent Perea says, Harrison said, I know all about the Camarena case. In fact, he says, I know all about Kiki Camarena. I know why they picked him up. I know why they killed him. I know everything about it, and it goes deep. That's exactly what Brea says Harrison said. Brea also says that um, Harrison... was being interviewed or going to be interviewed by the DEA and Dale Stinson came from Mexico City to the Lafayette Hotel in Guadalajara and intervened before the DEA could interview him, spoke with Harrison privately, and then Harrison later told Bereas that Stinson was CIA. Okay, those are the basic allegations. We talked briefly last week, but you have to ask yourself, is it plausible, is it credible that this tall gringo, this American who stands out in a crowd, especially in Mexico in 1985, 1984, that he would know all about Kiki Cameron, that he would have all this information. And if he did, is there any documentary evidence to support it? Is there anything contemporaneous? And I submit to you that the answer to that is very simple. There's none. Even if you believe that Boreas is saying what Harrison said to him, which... Frankly, I don't. But even if you did, you have to then believe that what Harrison is saying is true with no basis to believe it. None whatsoever. But there's more. And and this is the important part. Again, the basic argument is Dale Stinson was CIA. Stinson came to Guadalajara and intervened before Boreas's folks could interview Harrison, and that Harrison pointed out Stinson as being CIA. 
And I got to be very careful here. I've spoken with Agent Stinson on a couple of different occasions. And I want to respect his privacy. And I want to respect his ability to tell the story or to contradict things. Okay. That's really not my place given the nature of things right now. But I can tell you a couple of different things for sure. First of all, Agent Stinson is very, very clear that he never, ever was employed by or an officer or an agent of the CIA. He was in the Naval Reserve, um, and he worked for, he was an officer with the Naval Security Group. And Agent Stinson will tell you, a lot of people think that the Naval Security Group, the NSG, was somehow connected to the CIA. And he says that absolutely is not true. Number two, Agent Stinson has said that several of the facts alleged by Agent Boreas in kind of Agent Stinson's alleged involvement with Harrison and kind of interrupting this meeting simply are factually incorrect and incorrect in ways that could be demonstrated, frankly, fairly easily. So, for example, when Agent Perea says there was this big meeting with Harrison in Guadalajara, and Stinson came from Mexico City and broke everything up, Agent Stinson says that he was stationed in Phoenix at the time, wasn't in Guadalajara, never went to Guadalajara at that time, and it should be, and this is me speaking, not him, it should be very easy to ascertain where he was stationed at that time. So, one of the key underpinnings of the CIA being involved in Agent Camarena's abduction is the statements allegedly made, okay, so it's, it's hearsay in a lot of respects, and, and I, I know that, you know, there were times that he gave, he being Harrison, gave statements to other people in other forums, but there's definitely some hearsay involved of a character who clearly is a dubious character to begin with, okay, he has several aliases, um, you know, his, his version of his past changes or changed, uh, he's, he's passed away, uh, changed many different times. Many people who met him, interviewed, talked to him, found him to be completely incredible. And, uh, for lack of a better word, just a, (laughs) a blatant pathological liar. So everything ties back to the word of this dubious character and nothing, nothing is supported by anything contemporaneous. 
There's nobody in addition to Harrison who can back up his story. There's no documents. There's no memos. There are no notes. Nothing. So, again, if you're going back and you're looking at evidence and you're assessing evidence and you look at its credibility, I submit to you that the statements relating to Harrison about the CIA, about Agent Camarena, about Agent Stinson simply are not credible. All right, number two, we're going to talk briefly, briefly about Felix Rodriguez. Why do I say briefly? Uh, two, two reasons. One is we've talked about it a lot. And two is we've got more coming later on. Okay, so whether it's three weeks or four weeks or six weeks, we're going to have more detail about Mr. Rodriguez and his non-involvement in this case. But let's go back to the allegations. Okay, the allegation is that Felix Rodriguez magically shows up at Lope de Vega with two Cuban bodyguards, goes in, everybody lets him in, he goes in, interrogates Agent Camarena for a while, may have given instructions to other folks on how to interrogate Cameron, then he and his bodyguards leave. What do we know for sure? We know that Godoy and Lopez were interviewed. They gave long statements about um, people who were involved, you know, multi-page DEA-6 reports, Forget about the dubious timing, which we've talked about before. How many of those documents mention a Cuban being at Lope de Vega? Mention a Cuban interviewing or interrogating Agent Camarena? I can tell you exactly how many. Zero. Zero. How many people who've listened to the tapes... How many DEA agents who were transcribing the tapes stopped the tapes and said, wow, that sounds like a Cuban accent? I can tell you how many. Zero. Until Godoy and Lopez, far after... The trial, the second trial of Zuno, the last real trial, far after, until they started making allegations, how many times did Felix Rodriguez's name come up as being involved in the Camerina case at all? The answer, once again, is zero. There are... Thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of testimony and documents relating to the Iran-Contra affair, including testimony by Felix Rodriguez, who is proud of what he did. He is a firm, firm anti-communist, has been since his family was kicked out of Cuba or ran out of Cuba or fled Cuba when... 
the Castro Revolution came in. Felix Rodriguez gets up there and he's proud of what he did. He tells exactly what happened. He provides documents of where he was, what his actions were, who he was involved with, how many of those relate to Guadalajara, Mexico, let alone Agent Camarena, let alone Rafael Caro Quintero. Again, the answer is zero. There is nothing other than the belated, far belated testimony of these three witnesses, all of whom are bad people, all of whom are liars. Keep in mind, Rene Lopez Romero admits that he was involved in the kidnapping of Agent Camarena, and we're supposed to believe his word. I know there are people out there who are going to say, well, they can't be lying because if they were lying, they'd lose their immunity. They could go to jail. Bull. (laughs) Let's think about this. And again, we talk, we have a a, a bit about this in the book Um, and I'm not shilling for the book, but they go together. You know, some of what we're talking about here and what we explain in the book But who is going to stand up now and say, oh, my God, we never should have relied on Godoy and Lopez. Geez, Mr. Zuno, we're really, really sorry that their testimony put you in jail. How can we make this right? Oh, he's already dead. Geez, Dr. Alvarez Machine, really, really sorry that you got kidnapped and thrown out of a plane, in essence. Um, you know, and, and sorry that you didn't really get any money for it, but, uh, you know, we feel bad. Nobody's going to do that. There is no incentive for anybody to call them out. That's what we're doing here. All right. So that's Felix Rodriguez. Again, we're going to go um, into that a little bit more later. Before we get to one of the bigger ones, um, I want to talk about the plane, the alleged plane. So remember, there's the allegation that um, Caro Quintero goes to the airport, gets on a plane. That's where we have the little, um, and, and I don't mean to downplay it, but we have the confrontation between the DFS and some DEA agents. Uh, remember, Agent Breas at one time said that there were 50 DFS with machine guns and stuff, all of which wasn't the case. Um, but there's a confrontation nevertheless. Caro sticks his head out of the the airplane after, um, you know, being cleared to, to leave. And, uh, you know, ushers or utters his um, infamous, you know, next time my children bring bigger toys, he leaves. Goes to Caborca where he's got family, and later on ends up in Costa Rica. Again, the allegation is that those that the plane was owned by Setco. Setco gets tied to uh, Juan Marón Matabayesteros, who then is tied to Felix Gallardo, etc., etc. Again, no proof of that anywhere. 
just allegations. But what I can tell you for sure is the DEA does not believe that that's true. In fact, neither plane was owned by Setco. And it was two separate planes. There was one that took, there was a Falcon jet that went from Guadalajara to Caborca, owned by a local family, maybe with ties to Felix Rodriguez, but that's a different, entirely different question. And then Werner Lutz flew his own plane from Mexico to Costa Rica. Neither, again, was owned by Setco. Werner Lutz was, at most, a contract pilot for the CIA. He was not uh, an employee of the CIA. And there's absolutely no reason to suggest that any of his activities were supported by, um, influenced by, or at the direction of the CIA. Again, what we're supposed to believe is that the CIA... Think about this. What we're supposed to believe is the CIA flew him out of the country. Okay. Flies him to to Costa Rica. And yet does such a crappy job of it. That in very short order, he's found in Costa Rica and arrested. Does that really make any sense? If the CIA was in you know supporting Caro said come with us let us get you someplace wouldn't they have hidden him someplace better wouldn't they have hidden him or taken him to someplace that wasn't an ostentatious <coughs> excuse me mansion in Costa Rica that had been bought and paid for by cartel or trafficker money again even if you want to believe the CIA was involved, does that make any sense at all? Okay, um, Phil Jordan. I want to talk about Phil Jordan for just a second. <coughs> Excuse me again. Um, so, Phil Jordan says, amongst other things, but one of the big allegations that he has is that he was in Guadalajara, was in a car with Agent Camarena noticed they were being followed and said, geez, who's that? And he says, again, Mr. Jordan says that Agent Camarena said, oh, that's the CIA. Okay, that's in the last narc. In Blood on the Corn, and remember, Charles Bowden was the writer of Blood on the Corn. He had initially done some stories involving... Uh, Agent Jordan, then he started talking to Agent Breas, and then Blood in the Corn came out. Blood in the Corn, it says that Camarena said, oh, that's the DFS following me, not the CIA. And what's interesting about that is, again, the only way the allegations of CIA involvement really hold any water is if you believe that every action every single action by every single DFS officer can be directly tied to the CIA and tied in a way that shows CIA knowledge CIA 
intent, CIA guidance, and there's absolutely no reason to believe that. Even if you believe there's some coordination at a higher level to say that the day-to-day people operating and working for the DFS were doing everything at the direction of the CIA is simply wrong. Now, here's something else I really want you to pay attention to. There's two quotes from, from Jordan in the press. These both come from 2013. Okay? There's one place where Jordan says, and I'm going to quote, the CIA ordered the kidnapping and torture of Kiki Camarena, and when they killed him, they made us believe it was Caro Quintero in order to cover up all the illegal things they were doing in Mexico. <clears throat> That's October 16th, 2013. CIA ordered the kidnapping and torture of Agent Camarena. Less than two months later, in a different magazine, different article, he says this. We're not saying the CIA murdered Camarena, but the consensual relationship between the Godfathers of Mexico and the CIA that included, included drug trafficking contributed to Camarena's death. For God's sakes, people... If he can't get the story straight, why should we believe anything? And again, that's not what somebody told me. That's not what I believe. That's what's written in these articles. You can pull them up. Okay. Rancho Veracruz. This one's going to be hard. Um... In some respects, we're not we're not video capable yet. So, take my word for it. This is not the last time we're going to talk about Rancho Veracruz. Okay? Here's what's really important to know. Very simply stated. As it's come to be known, a training ground for Contras a ranch where supplies were stored with an airstrip. Flights went in and out. Owned by Rafael Caracantero. That Rancho Cruz, or Rancho Veracruz, sorry, did not exist ever. Period. End of sentence. There are no contemporaneous documents that discuss a Rancho Veracruz. Subsequent to Agent Camarena's demise, the DEA conducted investigations, and there are pictures of this alleged Rancho Veracruz that show that it could not, could not possibly be this operations center that it has been referred to. A couple of other things we should mention. During a very early investigation of Felix Rod- Felix Rodriguez, sorry, Felix Gallardo, uh, called Operation Broker, which was an, a predecessor to Operation Padrino, which we're going to talk about in just a second. Um, 
they found out about an airstrip near Notla in the state of Veracruz, but about 200 kilometers north of the actual city of Veracruz, which was owned by the brother-in-law or a former brother-in-law of El Negro. And it's possible that that airstrip had some connection to CIA in, uh, and the Contras at times kind of, you know, relative to what we're talking about, um, but more directly to the time period that we talked about when we discussed the Iran-Contra affair. But the important thing is it had nothing to do. This airstrip has nothing to do with Rafael Caracantero at all. Contrary to some reports and allegations, during the interrogation, Agent Camarena was not questioned about Rancho Veracruz. In fact, one of or the only time Veracruz is mentioned, the word Veracruz actually comes from Agent Camarena himself, and the interrogators say, we don't want to talk about Veracruz Let's talk about Buffalo and the raid that occurred there. There is nothing in the interrogation tapes, and we talked about those extensively, but there is nothing at all in those tapes that indicate the CIA was involved in any way, shape, or form. And it's not sufficient. It simply is not sufficient to say that's because they're all on missing tapes. Their hat, even if you buy that theory at all, there still has to be some support, and there's none. We've talked about this in the past, but we're going to talk about the allegation that Agent Breas has made on several occasions that the reason Agent Camarena was abducted was that he came up with the idea of follow the money. Starting as far back as blood in the corn, there is the allegation, the assertion, that Operation Padrino all started because Agent Camarena said, shoot, instead of just you know going after the marijuana or the drugs, we should go after the traffickers' money. That simply is not true. Not at all. Go all the way back to Elaine Shannon's book, Desperados. Which is meticulously researched. Especially as to the things leading up to the interrogation. I mean, it's a really good piece of work. She starts off by saying that Operation Padrino started like in 1982, and it was part of an intelligence project managed by Butch Sears. And it came, at least in part, through a wiretap uh, in Spain. And from that, they started, again, moving this Operation Broker into Operation Padrino, which was really designed, actually, by its name, 
to delve into the activities of Felix Gallardo, especially the transnational activities of Felix Gallardo. There are documents, there are reports about the initial meetings, the initial planning, the initial discussions with respect to Operation Pedrino, and Agent Cameron is not involved in any of them. That doesn't make it, you know, that's not a good or bad. But again, as we've talked about several times, there were many DE agents working in Mexico, in different cities. There were agents in, in Mexico City. There were agents affiliated with the investigations in Mexico in other countries. There were other really good agents, <coughs> excuse me, in Guadalajara. So it means nothing to say that Agent Cameron simply wasn't involved in the formation of Operation Padrino. So Butch Sears was the case agent. Um, after he left Mexico, Roger Knapp became the case agent. In many respects, Operation Padrino was really more of a Mexico City operation. But we do know that um, everyone in the Guadalajara office had at least some involvement in Operation Padrino. And we know they shared information. Again, keep in mind, it, for a lot of this time period, there were like four agents. You know, they they talked. They were together all the time. It's you know, And so the fact that they all had some involvement, you know, uh, uh, that, that makes sense. That's how, how you would think it would work. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, contemporaneous that says anything about the CIA, the Contras, nothing. There's not one piece of paper that ties the CIA, the activity with the Contras, to Agent Camarena. Not one. There's no reports. Nobody else in the office heard anything about the CIA. Susie Lozano, the secretary, says she typed up all the DEA-6s. Never typed the word CIA in any type of, of way relative to this. Nothing. Moreover, Bereas at one point says that Caro Quintero was mad because he'd had assets seized. There's no evidence of that. That did not happen. And there's no evidence of it on the tapes. Listen to the tapes. There's allegations that somebody, you know, an, an agent was bought off and didn't didn't go along. Uh, there's concerns about Buffalo and some of the raids. There's concerns about knowing where some of the traffickers lived, there's no discussion about assets being seized because it didn't happen. The allegations have to keep getting bigger and better and broader so that they, the news, you know, the news factor is there. But they're not supported by anything. The closest, the closest they come is somehow the allegation that there's a 
notation in the calendar of Agent Camarena that relates to Buendia. And we've talked about that before. The fact that they are almost 11 months apart makes that totally irrelevant. It's also abundantly clear that if there's simply uh, an allegation that they had the phone number, even if we knew, for for instance, that they talked before Buendia died, again, almost a year before Agent Camarena is abducted, we don't have any idea what they talked about. None whatsoever. There's also, I think I told you this story already. So there's a, a documentary about the Buendia case. And in the documentary, Agent Perea says that he went to Guadalajara and on Camarena's desk, there was this uh, calendar or diary, however you want, that had the notation of Buendia or Buendia's phone number on it. That story is absurd on its face. First of all, if Agent Perez ever went to Guadalajara and ever went to where Camarena's desk was, it was not like that desk was preserved for, for years waiting for Agent Perez to show up. Remember, he doesn't become involved in Operation Landa for years. And ask yourself this question. If Agent Camarena had, again, a diary or a calendar on his desk, in his desk, when the CIA, sorry, when the DEA and the FBI went down to Guadalajara after he was abducted and went through his desk. Would that not have been found? And if it was, and the DEA had that calendar virtually from the beginning of the investigation from the time he was abducted, shouldn't the head of Landa have known that? Think about that. Think about that a lot. Think about the allegations being made allegedly by somebody who's supposed to know this case inside and out. The very simple truth is following the money is not, was not, and could not have been why Agent Camarena was abducted and interrogated. And there is absolutely no solid evidentiary support for that allegation. None. Once again, what you have is wild allegations at best supported by dubious characters such as Harrison or such as Lopez Romero who kidnapped 
Agent Camarena and no evidence, nothing to back it up. Remember when we started this and we talked and said, you know, you also have to just think about credibility. I've said this several times, but I want to bring this discussion about the CIA to a closure with this commentary. If, for the sake of this hypothetical, if the CIA became concerned that Agent Camarena had learned something that they did not want him to know or him to tell anybody else or to get out in any way, would the most logical thing for the CIA to do have been to have a high-level person at the CIA talk to a high-level person at the DEA and say, this is a matter of national security. We need you to get your agent to back off. Or would it be, let's get Carl Quintero and his well-educated, well-trained folks to pick up and interrogate Agent Camarena. And by doing that, let's have dozens, if not hundreds, of federal agents from all over Mexico and the United States come down to Guadalajara and look at every single thing that Agent Camarena had done. I think the answer is obvious. And, and, if... Again, just for this hypothetical, if <coughs> Agent Cameron really had found something that was so important that the CIA wanted him stopped so much that they had him picked up, is it at all plausible that in all the investigation, all of the efforts by the DEA, the FBI, in the United States, in Mexico, elsewhere, in all those efforts, they would find nothing tying the CIA to Agent Camarena until years later when, thank God, Lawrence Victor Harrison spills his guts to Agent Boreas. That doesn't pass the smell test. It's not even close. So what am I going to tell you is my conclusion. As I sit here today, can I tell you with 100% certainty, absolute certainty, absolute conviction that the CIA had absolutely no role whatsoever, can't do it. Can I tell you? that I think the likelihood of that is, to quote an old, an old Don King line, between Slim and none, and Slim went home. It doesn't make sense. And it really doesn't make sense because there's no evidence to support it. 
if you're going to make outlandish allegations, if you're going to make allegations that a federal agent picked up another federal agent or had another federal agent picked up, interrogated and killed, by golly, you better have some good proof. And there's none here. None. Okay, that's a closure for now on the CIA.